So tonight we're rounding up this, um, this, um, this teaching on seven things to do while waiting for a life partner. Seven things to do while waiting for a life partner. Psalms 27 and verse 14. The Bible says, wait on the Lord, be of good cheer or good courage. It says, and it shall strengthen your heart. It says, wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, where we read last week. Isaiah, the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall, have, um, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And I spent so much time explaining that in the context of our teaching last week. So I'd encourage you to get the message. Listen to it. It's going to be a blessing to you. We also mentioned the fact that there are two types of dating. I'm sorry, two types of waiting. Two types of waiting. Number one is the one you choose. Number two is the one that is forced on you. Number one is the one you choose and number two is the one that is forced on you, right? And um, we also said to experience God's ultimate plan for your marital destiny, there are things you must learn to wait for. Number one, we said you must learn to wait for sex. You must learn to wait for sex. Number two, we said you must learn to wait for God's best. Learn to wait for God's best. You see, in the equation of life, you would always get the counterfeit before the original shows up. You will always get the counterfeit before the original shows up. You see, so you see that happening in the life of Adam, right? Uh, God brought all the animals before him. You know, uh, a scientist have said that the um, gorillas and um, monkeys and chimpanzees, right, that they are closest to human beings. So maybe Adam must have thought that, ah, this is not a bad choice, but I said, Mm-mm, this is not it, right? So he saw the animals before he met Eve. You know, that's why even science, when they want to test anything meant for human beings, they use, you know, gorillas as a test subject. That's what they use because they believe they are closest, you know, to human beings, you see. But Adam waited for God's best. He waited for God's best. Such that when he saw Eve, he said, oh, this is the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman. And somebody said that what Adam was actually trying to say is, wow, man. <laughs> So that was where a woman came from, right? So we must learn to wait for sex, wait for God's best. Number three, we said we must learn to wait until we are ready. Learn to wait until you are ready. Society may try to tell you you are ready. Circumstances may tell you you are ready. But no, you see, you may deceive everybody, but the person you must never deceive is the person you see every time you look into the mirror. If you deceive that person, your life is finished. Many people deceive others. They are even deceived by others. You see, but there is still hope if you can get to that point in your life where you don't deceive yourself. You might not be able to tell other people the truth, but you must be able to tell yourself the truth. Right? So you must learn to wait until you are ready. And we emphasized last week that age is not synonymous to readiness. The fact that someone is 40 or 30 or even 25, you know, people who have those um, age... Uh, a special age where uh, they, they kind of go into the prayer, pray, place of prayers and tell God that, you know, by 25, I must be a married man or married woman. If it doesn't happen by 25, they shift it to 30. That father by 30, I must be married. If it doesn't happen by 30, they say father by 30. You know, all those, you see, you might be at one of those ages or close to one of those, you know, age group. But let me tell you this, age is not synonymous to readiness. A man may be old or a woman may be old and not be ready. And not be ready. And not be ready. Right? So there are different types of readiness which we explain. And we said that uh, readiness is determined by two things. Physiological development and psychological development. And we said there are a couple um, different types of readiness which is spiritual readiness. 
financial readiness. Number three, emotional readiness, career readiness, and social readiness. Right? We explained all that last week. So I would encourage you, you know, every message in this house is always a build up on the previous one. So I'd encourage you to listen to it um, very well. All right. So tonight we're going further. And I want to talk about, before I talk about the seven things tonight, I want to talk about what waiting is not. What waiting is not. What waiting is not. Because sometimes if people don't have, you know, an accurate understanding, um, the devil might begin to feed you with some lies and tell you that, you see, if you are waiting, then it's because of this. If you are waiting, it's because of that. So the first thing I want you to realize is this. Waiting is not punishment. Write that down. If you have a writing material or you have a mobile device where you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write that down. Waiting is not punishment. And I think the people that often have this mindset are believers. So, the reason why waiting is not punishment is because I've come across, you know, different people, Christians, you know, who, are, uh, who have a good act, but maybe sometimes in their life they made a mistake. Maybe, you know, a, a couple of years ago they did something that they knew was against their Christian values or Christian beliefs, and maybe at this season of their lives they are now waiting, they are in a waiting season. And the devil now brings back you know, reminds them of the past and tell, tells them that the reason why you are waiting is because of that thing that you did. And you see, if you don't know God's word, you might drink that Kool-Aid. You might just believe that, oh, it is true. And sometimes, uh, you know, people might even have confessed, you know, uh, as it were in the place of prayers, apologize, that Father, I'm sorry, you know, I, I know I've done this, you know, and they've moved on. But when they begin to go through a season of waiting, the devil will bring it back and begin to whisper to them, maybe God has not really forgiven you. Let me tell you this, in God there is nothing like really forgiving. God is not a man. It is human beings that say, hey, I've forgiven you, but it has not finished in my heart. Have you had that before? I've forgiven you. The Yoruba says, continue That is, there is still a bit, you know, I still need to forgive you. It's a process. God does not forgive you in a process. If he has forgiven you, he has forgiven you. That's why the Bible says he has thrown our sins into the, sin, uh, into the sea of forgetfulness. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so has God separated our sins from us. And scientists still date. They've not been able to measure the distance between the east and the west. It simply means when God forgives you, you and your sins should never meet up again. So it should even never come into your consciousness because the devil has used that to put a lot of believers under condemnation. So when something is not going right, maybe uh, there's a business failure or something is not going right, maybe in the health, something just tells them. And it's really not something, it's the devil whispering to them. Because if the devil can get you to that point of self-condemnation, he has really gotten you. Because condemnation and faith cannot work together. Condemnation and faith cannot work together. So if the devil can keep whispering to you, it's because maybe you need to go uh, and pray for seven days. It doesn't take seven days for God to forgive you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are a child of God, it doesn't take seven days. It only takes a confession, an apology from the depths of your heart. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? So we need to get to that point where we understand that waiting is not a punishment. God is not trying to pay you back for your previous sin or past mistakes. It's not trying to pay you back. God does not get even with people. God does not try to teach his children a lesson with the devil's instruments. Sometimes people go through, maybe, you know, uh, maybe they are sick or something happens and they just think, ah, maybe it's because of that thing. God is trying to teach me a lesson. No, God does not do that. 
God has enough method to get the attention of his children than borrowing the enemy's strategy. Am I making sense tonight? So you need to really understand that waiting is not a punishment. It is not a punishment. It is not a punishment. That's what the Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 9 to 10. It says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He says that if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. Now you need to realize that this passage of scripture was not written to unbelievers. It was written to believers. In fact, maybe I should digress a bit. Let me tell you this. There are three types of confession, and I want you to write this down. Because with the toxic and demonic teaching and ideology, or maybe I should say theology going around in this age and time, I think I need to give us clarity right tonight. There are three types of confession. Number one is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Number one is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What's that about? You see, the confession God is expecting from the unsaved is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A believer cannot confess sins. I know that might be against some people's ideology, but I'm going to give us scriptures. A believer cannot confess his sins because the believer is sin personified. His nature is sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? So for a believer, you say, for an unsaved person to get to that point, right, where they want to begin to confess their sins, because, you see, sometimes I've seen people do it, and I've done it too before, when we didn't have enough understanding. You know, when people want to give their lives to Christ, they say, now begin to confess your sins. All the sins. Which one? Where do I want to start from? So someone is giving his life to Christ at the age of 35. You say he should be confessing his sins. So how will he remember the sin of when he was 11? When he was 15, the sin of, because as far as some of those people are concerned, the sin they are referring to is maybe the sin of fornication, the sin of, you know, uh, adultery, the sin of falsifying figure, the sin of, you know, what they consider to be big sins. Let me tell you this, you can't confess your sins as an unbeliever. The only thing you can confess is the lordship of Jesus. You can't even remember all the sins. So, if you can't remember all the sins, are you sure God has forgiven you? That is what the devil uses to guilt-treat people. When they are going through a waiting season, I say, you see, that the way you gave your life to Christ, you did not mention this. You did not mention this, you see. That is why you are still waiting. They will now go back and start the process. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. I know I did not confess that one, so I'm confessing it. So another day, you will remember <laughs> another one. And it will now be a cycle, a vicious cycle that will never stop. So the first confession is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11. The Bible says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue say, whether people confess by choice, or not. The Bible says every tongue shall confess. If they don't confess before rapture, every tongue will confess after rapture. Before this world is over, everyone will confess that Jesus is Lord. So it is best to confess it when you see you have a choice. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so the first confession is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Romans 10 and verse 10, the Bible says, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the, heart, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why you cannot truly be saved, even if you have been attending church all your life. It doesn't mean you are saved. You might even be able to preach. It doesn't mean you are saved. 
until you get to that point where you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Do you know how many people will believe that Jesus is the Son of God? But they just say, I don't need to say it. The Bible says, we must understand that we are not smarter than God. The Bible says with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It simply means if you don't confess, confession is made unto salvation. What confession? The confession of the Lordship of Jesus. It means if you don't make that confession, huh, you might even be able to manufacture tongues because you have, you know, there's something called environmental adaptation. You have had so many people speaking tongues around you. So there are residues that are falling into your mind. You can fake it, but it doesn't mean you are saved. It doesn't mean you are saved. The second confession is the confession of sins. And let me tell you this, because of the mindset that people are now saying that, you know, uh, 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 God has forgiven you your past, your present, and your future sin. There is nothing like that. It's a demonic ideology and theology that will lead a lot of people to hell. That's why Jesus, before his ascension, one of the things he said was that one of the signs of the end time will be, will be so much deception. He said, and even as children of God, we need to be careful that even the strongest of us will be deceived. He said, even the devil will appear as an angel of light. Don't be surprised that we already have preachers that are demon, you know, possessed. And you see, the devil will not show up and say, I am the devil. No. Do you know the devil can perform miracles? I hope you know. So the fact that people are falling under what you call anointing, and they now tell you, you see, God has forgiven. <laughs> is that, so why did Jesus come to die for your sins? Why did he do that? So the second confession, and you see, let me tell you this, the confession of sins is something only the believer can do. A non-believer cannot confess sins. Because it's sin personified. Sin is his nature. That's what will give our life to Christ. What happens is the change of nature. Right? You don't feel it. You don't grow taller if you were short. You don't grow shorter if you were tall. You don't grow bigger if you were slim. But something happens in your spirit. So the second confession is a confession of sins. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. The Bible says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. He shall have mercy. So there is no such thing as Jesus forgiving our future sin. A sin not confessed is a sin not forgiven. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? A sin not confessed is a sin not forgiven. Is a sin not forgiven. And sin, see, for the New Testament believer, sin is beyond uh, lying. <laughs> see, the standard, sometimes when people, you know, try to explain that, you see, the way they try to teach grace, is that, you know, oh, you know God, do you know, God, the loving Father. <laughs> they will try to explain those things. And you too, you can use logic and say, ah, it is true now, God, God is not that bad. Hmm. Let me tell you this, the standard of the New Testament is even higher. Remember Jesus said that in the New Testament, you know, when the people came to him and they were trying to, you know, uh, catch him in his words, and he gave a standard, you know, for, for sexual sin. He said, even if you look lustfully at a woman, because Jesus understands that the first and the second look will eventually drive you to committing the act. He said, it's not until you do it. He said, a look alone. To, you see. So the Bible now tells us, Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, he says that to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That is the standard of sin in the New Testament. That's the standard of sin. So for instance, I know somebody is in need of help, right? And it's not that the person is irresponsible. The person is responsible, but they are going through a season of crisis. And I have the capacity. And it is not maybe against something that God has told me not to do. Right? But I, I withhold that help. It is sin. In the New Testament. Under the New Covenant. That is what is sin. A practical example. Breaking traffic laws. 
That is sin. Some of us wonder, ah, how can that be sin? Because the Bible says that God puts authority in place. Disobedience to authority. A policeman stops you and you begin to abuse the policeman. It is sin. Do you understand? And you see, I, I remember sometimes someone asked me a question. I can't even remember. A couple of people have asked me before. Now, why is it that in the gateway church when we pray, we don't confess our sins? <laughs> so let me explain. The reason why we don't do it is because as a responsible child of God, you don't wait for a right time to apologize when you are wrong. What many people do and what you know, religion has taught us is you have a special time of prayer. So when you now get to the place of prayer, you now say, Father, all the sin we have committed today, please forgive us. You know, <laughs> that's nonsense. You see, because if you have the Holy Ghost on your inside, when you do something wrong, you will know. Except if your heart has become so hardened, that's when you will not know. So at that point when you realize you have missed it, as a responsible and sane human being, what do you do? Father, I'm sorry. You don't need a special time of prayer to do that. And the moment you say, oh, Father, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, he has forgiven you. You don't need special, Father, the sin of omission, the sin of commission, the sin of all those religious stuff that really has no spiritual, scriptural backing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's, let's, let's put it this way. So you do something wrong. And you are waiting for maybe your evening prayer to, to, to confess that sin. And rapture happens before evening prayer. What happens? <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> because we are waiting for the right time. There is no <laughs> right time like now. So the moment, for instance, what I told us on Sunday happened, you know, how I spoke to First Lady in the wrong way, you know, when we're going out, like, immediately, I apologize. Immediately. He said, That's a, you know, when, when we get to my, no, don't do that. Why did I do that? As a responsible husband that's been well taught. So the same way when you realize you have done something wrong, and you know, you see, the Holy Spirit will always convict you of sin. It will always make, you see, except your heart, your conscience has become so dead. That's when you will not know when you are doing something wrong. That's when you would not know. That's when you would not know. And even as simple as somebody calling you, whose call you are supposed to pick and you don't pick it, it's sin. And you are forming busy. And you know you are not busy. It is sin. You see, at that point, when you realize, you say, Father, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. And you return the call. You know, there are some people that, you know, and it's amazing. Unfortunately, even a lot of ministers do this. So unfortunate. I believe when you get to a level, you know, you don't pick people's call. You know, that's how they'll know you are a big man. Stupid. What if Jesus or God decides not to pick your own call when you pray? I say that I'm a big God. <laughs> so wait, wait. Shout very well. You are not shouting. When you shout, I will hear you. <laughs> you know, praise God. And the third confession which you're familiar with in this house is the confession of faith. The confession of faith, 2 Corinthians 4.13. The Bible says we have in the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. Matthew 11 verse 13. Jesus said as we have said. You know, he says if you have faith in your heart but, and you don't doubt and you believe that the things you have said will come to pass. He said you will have whatsoever you say. Whatsoever you say. Right, so those are the three types of confession. So when you are going through a waiting period, don't let the devil put that lie in your heart. When, even, when he tries to sow that seed in your heart, don't allow it to take root. Don't allow it to take root. Don't allow it to take root. When he brings those lies, tell him, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. We are, you see, let me tell you this. We are the ones that categorize sin. As far as God is concerned, sin is sin. The sin of abortion and the sin of lying. To God, it's the same sin. But don't say, ah, this is big sin. Although there are sins have different consequences. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? But as far as God is concerned, sin is sin. So you are the ones that say, ah, no, this is a big sin. Ah, no, small sin. This one is... <laughs> sin is sin. The second thing we need to understand about waiting is that waiting is not forever. Waiting is not forever. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, For everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. So everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the sun. Waiting is not forever. And I think I explained this, I touched on this last week, Wednesday, right? There will see, there are times you will go through a waiting period. And God is trying to, you know, get some things across to you in that season of your life. If you don't maximize that season, you see, you either waste a season or you maximize it. And oftentimes what many people do is they waste their season. A season they are supposed to take advantage of. Especially a single, you know, the, the single stage of their life. They waste it. How do they waste it? By not truly being single. I think I mentioned this last week Sunday. Uh, sorry, last week Wednesday about what it means to be single. To be unmarried does not mean a man is single or a woman is single. You may be unmarried and not be single. I think I'll get to that tonight. And tr- the truth is, a lot of people never experience what it means to be single before they go married. And that's why in marriage they are still not fulfilled. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So waiting is not forever. We need to understand that. And see, when you have this understanding, it will give you a positive attitude during a waiting period. Because if you approach a waiting period with a bad attitude, ah, you may never make it out of that season. Even if you make it out of that season, what God wants you to learn in that season, you will never learn it. You look at the children of Israel, for example. They were going through a season, a wilderness experience. You see, the Bible tells us that God could have taken them to the promised land through a shorter route. But God deliberately took them through a longer, you know, road. He says because he wanted to develop capacity in them. He wanted them to develop their military strength. Because the land is going to give them, they needed to fight to possess that land in its entirety. If they just move from Egypt as slaves into the promised land, they will not be able to preserve what God is giving them. So some of us, we are going through, it might not even be maybe waiting for a life partner now. You might be waiting for a season in your life. Let me tell you this, when you have done all you know to do, the Bible says, having done all, stand. Stand. God might be building capacity in you. It might be taking you through a season for a reason. It might just be. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? It might just be. And the Bible says the children of Israel, what were they doing? They were complaining. They were murmuring. Oh, why did you bring us into this wilderness? We should have just stayed back in Egypt. We remember when we sat around the pot and we were eating garlics and cucumbers. Kept complaining, oh, with what is this? Mana, mana, mana. What is this? We don't even want this. We want meat. God gave them meat. Oh, Moses, we are thirsty. We need water. God gave them water. They kept complaining until God said, these guys are not going to make it into the promised land. Every one of them died in the wilderness. Every one of them. Was it God's plan for them to die in the wilderness? No. But their attitude killed them in the wilderness. They never made it out of that season. You see, how do you know that you are maximizing a waiting period, especially for those of us that are single? Ah, you have a good attitude. You have a good attitude. You know, there are some people, you know, they are single. They ought to, when we look at the normal age, you know, where society expects people to get married, they are not yet married. But some people, you will meet them and you will never know that they are not yet married because there is a good attitude. There is a smile on their face. 
You will not even know until when you have a conversation with them and say, oh really, you're still single, I never knew. I remember like a couple of months before First Lady and I, you know, met, you know, there was a, an organization she was working with. And for over two years, the person she was working with never knew she was using Google. One day they were just having a conversation, you know, and said, oh, I'm not married. I said, really? You are not married? The person just said, see, don't even bother yourself. You, you will marry very soon. Don't bother yourself. There is a way you can call. You see, but some people, you already see it every day as if something is wrong with them. Say, what's wrong? Oroko, you know what I mean? all this husband. You know, it's as if, and let me tell you this, no man wants to marry pain. So people don't know that your attitude in a waiting season, it actually detects some, it's even that bad attitude that is driving some people away. Some people say, I know, that's my face. I've thought of, huh? if you don't have a smiling face, teach yourself how to smile. Stand in front of the mirror. I was not always the smiling type. <laughs> A dear man of God said, if you carry a long face, simply means you have a long way to go. Always smile. There is nothing you are going through. Huh? Every time, you, are, you are not the president of the United States. Responsible for the whole world. You are not even responsible for your local government yet. Not even for your street. And you are looking like this. Sometimes you just wonder when you look at yourself and say, ah, what, have you, what are you going through? Say, ah, Pastor, you don't understand. If you know what I'm going through. What are you going through? You are not yet in a position where you have to, where your decision can affect the destiny of 10,000 people. In fact, not 10,000 people, 10,000 employees. Because that's the position some people occupy. As successful entrepreneurs. One decision is affecting 10,000 families. It's not, not just employing one human being, you are employing 10,000 families. You know, when policies can change the destiny of a city, you have not gotten to that point. All you are still thinking of is yourself. I said, Pastor, you don't understand. I can never understand. I don't understand such things. Because the destiny God and the plan God has for you is bigger than where you currently are. And you must adjust. You must measure up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You must measure up. You must, you, you must just rise up to the occasion. So please understand that waiting is not forever. Waiting is not forever. Next, waiting is not putting your life on hold. Waiting is not putting your life on hold. The fact that you are waiting to get married doesn't mean your career, your dreams, your goals and aspirations must be on hold. So some people say, oh, you know, why haven't you done this? Ah, because I'm waiting, you know. Ah, I don't want to do this before I get married. You know, like some people believe in this part of the world that as a woman, if you buy a car or maybe you drive a big car, ah, you will chase the way men. No, it's better you chase away those kind of men. It's just better. I've seen people who dumb down on their lives, you know. They try to reduce their standard of existence because they don't want to chase men away. How do you know that the kind of you, okay, maybe you are using an SUV, maybe a Toyota SUV. How do you know the person God plans for you is not somebody that will be using a Rolls Royce SUV? And that kind of person will never find somebody using like this Benz attractive. They now say, don't buy it, don't, don't buy it, don't. keep the money. When you eventually meet him, you may never meet him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, waiting is not putting your life on hold. Live your life as a man, as a woman. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your, 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 your single stage. Right? Your singleness. Enjoy it. Or singlehood or whatever. I think it's American English that is... Maybe British is singlehood. America is singlehood. I don't know. But they are both correct. Praise the Lord. So, get a life. Get a life. Waiting does not mean you should put your life on hold. Leave. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Leave. Look at them. Point your hand in their face. Say, neighbor. Leave. Some people are not living. They are barely existing. 
waiting for Mr. or Mrs. Wright to show up. They're just coasting through life. That when he, some people have even abandoned their dreams for when he eventually shows up or when she eventually shows up. Some people, all their plans, when you look at their plans and they go for their life, it's around uh, when, when, <laughs> you not wondering, what if he does not show up for another three, four years? Your life will be on hold. See, when my wife eventually shows up, when I get engaged, you know, I will now travel. You better travel now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So don't put your life on hold. The fact that you are waiting does not mean your business, your career, your dreams, your aspirations should be on hold. A waiting season gives you the opportunity to experience what I call true wholeness and singleness. True wholeness. True wholeness. Some of us, you know, that are maybe waiting, maybe you're watching online, you know, or going to hear this message later. Let me tell you this. It may be that the reason why you are still waiting is because God is giving you an opportunity to enjoy true wholeness and singleness. See, one thing I've discovered is this. Those who enjoy their marriage are the people who were truly single before they got married. Just go and do your research. If you were not truly single, you know, there are some people that they... (laughs) All their lives, they were in one relationship. Let me tell you this. If you are truly single, uh, one of the ways you will know you are truly single is you are not desperate for marriage. That's one of the ways you know. So marriage will be an addition. It will just show, oh, Father, I thank you. Not that, God, it must happen this year. Is that happens or I die? You know, there are some people like that. No, I'm serious. I know two people who prayed like that and they got it. But that marriage is a week without crisis is a miracle. You see, because you can place a demand on God and He will give you something He doesn't want for you. A classic example is the children of Israel. God wanted to give them a king, but He wanted to start with David. But they said, No, we want a king now. We want him now. And God told Samuel, He said, It's not me they are rejecting. It's not you they are rejecting. It's me. Because Samuel was like, Why don't you know we are in the era of the judges? There is nothing you want that God is not doing for you. They say, no, we want it now. God said, no problem. Annoy Saul for them. Saul was not, was not God's original choice. Saul was an affidavit. <laughs> you know, it was not the original. God just gave them so that, you know, you can pray to the point where God just, let this guy give me rest. Just take it. And you will be happy. God has answered my prayer. I'm telling you. I know two marriages like that, and it's very painful. God, this year, or I die. As in, and God doesn't want you to die. <laughs> because they are not waiting for you in heaven. Maybe your mansion is not finished. <laughs> it's so that you don't come to uncompleted building. <laughs> That's just on the light time. Say, oh, don't die, oh, give him. <laughs> and when you are desperate like that, the things you need to see, you will not see. Because everything is just marriage, marriage, marriage. So even when he slaps you, he say, no, he's just rubbing my cheeks. So waiting is not putting your life on hold. It's not putting your life on hold. What are the hallmarks of true singleness? You might want to write this down. Number one, so you can even do a test on yourself if you are truly single. Remember, to be unmarried does not mean you are single. Number one sign of or hallmark of true singleness is financial independence. If you still have to depend on someone for your financial survival, you are not single. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As hard, because, okay, someone's like, God, I want to get married, I want to get married. Okay, if husband or wife shows up now, do you have money for wedding? You don't. And I say, God, 
oh, it must happen, it must happen. God, is this year? No, before December 31st, God, during these 90 days of power, show forth your power. <laughs> you know, you see, financial independence is a responsibility of the adult life. The average African must understand that. It's a responsibility. You know, when a single is doing well, for many people, it's, it's, it's an unusual thing. Like, ah, that guy is single and that money is in his hand. Eh, that girl is single and she drives a car. She has land. Wow. That should be the normal thing. You should go into marriage as an asset, not as a liability. If I let me tell you this, there are some things that you should already have before you get married. The freezer we used in our house for the first three years of our marriage was my wife's fridge. Uh, sorry, was my was it a free, yeah freezer? You can remember that freezer? As a single, some people want to marry now. God, do it, do it, do it, do it now, now. You are planning to just move box into the man's house. Even the box, eh, there is nothing inside. Financial independence, that's one of the first hallmarks of true singleness. Financial independence, that is you are earning, you are earning something. You are earning. You, there, is some, there is a place you are going to or there is something you are doing. And at a particular season, you get money, you get cash. The world runs on money. Money is a defense. Without money, you are vulnerable. Without money, you are defenseless. Don't let anybody kid you. All these days, we are married off. God will do it. God will do it. What will God do? Number two is discovered purpose. The second hallmark of true singleness is discovered purpose. That is, you have an idea of what you want to do with your life. You have an idea of where you are going. You have an idea of what, what should happen in the next 10 years. You have an idea of what, the, you know, you can give us a glimpse of where you are going. Of where you are going. Because if you don't know where you are going, how do you know who to take along? If I don't know where you are going, how do I know how to help you get there? Somebody hearing what I'm saying? You may not have the full picture. It may not be, you know, it, it may not be in, in, uh, cast in concrete, but at least you have an idea. And it's not just a figment of imagination. You are convinced this is what I want to do in my life. Not that three years ago you told us you want to be a doctor. Last year you said you want to be a pilot. This year you said you want to be a farmer. Next year, only God knows what you will be. Number three, all mark of true singleness. Is that you have quality non-romantic relationships. Quality non-romantic relationships. Do you hear what I said? Some people, the only <laughs> opposite sex friends they have are potential partners. If you can't marry them, what, what friendship is between a lion and a cat? Right? No, dog and lion. <laughs> what do you want to be doing together? It's not asking me. Move, 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 move. Hmm. You see, if you don't have quality non-sexual relationships in your life, you are not single. Because relationships are the fabric of human existence. You will always need people. You will always need people. That's one of the ways you test yourself. Are you truly single? If before you answer yes, how many quality relationships do you have around around you? Going to be talking about that during the 12 weeks of you know strategic repositioning is one of the modules cultivating strategic alliances. Many people don't know how to do it. You just think those relationships will just happen. No. No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Quality 
non-sexual relationships. Because when you, okay, when you get married and say, you know, some families don't have family friends. It's not a marriage that he started. He started as singles. They didn't have friends. And some people, you wear it as a badge of honor. Me, I don't have friends. Yeah, something is wrong with you. Even Jesus had friends. Jesus had relationships. He said, I call you friends. He was telling his disciples, he said, I call you friends. So his disciples were not just followers. They were not just slaves to him. They were his friends. He, that's why he visited his house. Or their houses. The Bible says that when he went to Lazarus' house, Lazarus was not one of his disciples. He was his friend. The son of God. God made friends with man. But you say you don't need anybody. Wow. God senior. Well done. Such that the Bible says that when he was at Lazarus' tomb and he wept, the Bible says that the people there said, Ah! How we loved him. Martha, Mary, those were Jesus' friends. They were not part of his disciples. You, no friend. I want to marry. That's why you see a lot of people when they want to get married, they are stressed out. Because the things that their true friends should do for them, they are the only ones doing it. Go to Lagos Island like 50 times before wedding. Why? Is it that you don't have friends? Are the one picking clothes? Are the one buying tomato, buying pepper, buying everything? Why? It's because you don't have friends. The next hallmark of true singleness is that you are happy with your life. You may not be where you want to be, but at least you are happy. At least, ah, ah. It's not that you wake up every day and say, hmm, hmm, what's wrong? <laughs> you are happy with your life. I want you to ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, are you happy with your life? Because if you are not happy with yourself, you will, you will be a problem to somebody else. The reason why a lot of people go into marriage and expect their partner, let me tell you this, it is not your partner's responsibility to make you happy. <laughs> See, if you marry someone like first lady, or you marry somebody like me, you will die without being happy. And the reason why we enjoy our lives because we were enjoying ourselves before we got married. There are times I might not see my wife until late in the night. At times we might even both be working, we don't even remember to call each other. I know some people that can never try that. You will not call your wife or your husband ten times in a day. Ah, you can't sleep well that night. So, where are you? Have you eaten? You are not adult now. If you are hungry, you should know where food is. Should that be asking you? You know, some of those things might be romantic. When you want to get into a relationship, have you eaten? How are you? Did you sleep? No, I didn't sleep. I did VG. <laughs> you are asking me as another, have you eaten? <laughs> it's okay if you are still at that level. But you can't be thinking about what I'm thinking about. And what you're asking me is, have you eaten? The hallmark of true singleness next is that you are not desperate to get married. I already mentioned and spoke about that. Next is also that you are not giving God a time frame and ultimatum to get married. I'm not giving him an ultimatum. A father, I'm about to be 25. Lord, I'm about to be 30. Do it now or never. So God will just say, I choose the never. <laughs> you have rubbed yourself in. Next, waiting is not weird or strange. Weird is W E I R D, right? Waiting is not weird. There is no stigma in waiting. You see, the reason why a lot of stigma has been attached to it is because even the people going through a waiting period, they, they themselves, they've stigmatized themselves. So they are carrying themselves like they are a problem. 
Certainly, it's not weird. It's, it's a season. And it will not last forever. It is not a punishment. It is an opportunity for you to develop yourself, to grow yourself. Psalms 31 and verse 15, David said, My times are in your hands. They are in your hands. And God is not blind. He can see that you are waiting. Because some people even say that to me. Hey, God, is it that you are not seeing me? Hey, God. Is it that you are... He's not deaf. And he's not blind. Praise the Lord. So what are the seven things you should do while waiting? Are we ready? Are we ready? Number one, don't get into a stopgap relationship. While you are waiting, don't get into a stopgap relationship. What do I mean by that? Some people know. <laughs> they meet certain individuals and they know that this is not the kind of person I want to get married to. But they tell themselves, while I'm still waiting, at least let me still be dating this one. It's a big mistake. You know why? The same space that the right person should fill, you have filled it with the wrong person. And you will not know when the right person will show up. So the day the person shows up, they see you as being unavailable, so they will move on. That's what has happened to a lot of people who get involved in a stopgap relationship. I say, God has not answered my prayer. He has answered. But when the person showed up, another person was already there. If you have not found what you are looking for, take your time. Take your time. Don't be in a rush. Don't be desperate. I say, ah, no, ah, at least this one too is okay. <laughs> If it is just okay, it is not okay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If it is just okay, your life and your destiny deserves more than okay. You are worth more than that. You know, one of the things I try to tell people is this. You see, when it comes to choosing a life partner, you have to be seriously selfish in that choice. Very selfish. It's not good to be selfish, but in that choice, you have to be selfish. You have to choose for yourself. Some people even choose out of pity. It's called, what we call doctor-patient relationship. Out of pity. And I can help that guy. I can help him. Now, if God has blessed me, you know, my blessing can, I can use my blessing to lift him. You will now lift him. You will now have money. You will now be, be dating other, one, other girls after marriage. You will now be crying. Because you were not his choice. He married you because you were his benefactor. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Don't get into a stopgap relationship. A stopgap relationship makes you spiritually, emotionally, and physically unavailable. And let me tell you this. Some of us are in a stopgap relationship and we don't know. So you are a lady. A guy keeps hanging around you. You are not dating. But he keeps visiting you. People can see that he comes to visit you. And you say you are not dating. Somebody, a guy likes you. He's talking to his friend that knows you. Say, and I like that. Ah, she's in a relationship. Eh, really, I didn't know. Ah. Is this guy, are you ask Sunday now? He's always coming, at least every two, two days. <laughs> so the guy will now wait. And I say, ah, you came Tuesday, Thursday you showed up. But when they ask you, say, there is nothing. Else. But as far as the world is concerned, there is something. People make that mistake a lot. You see, I'm not saying you should not be friends with the opposite sex, but let your friends, friendship with the opposite sex be with sense. The moment people keep assuming, see, and the moment people believe that you guys are dating and you think you are not or you know you are not, you see, let me tell you, it is what people believe that is the truth. Because you can actually be in a relationship and not know. I believe you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I need to say something, but I will not say it. 
I'll only say it to some one or two people. <laughs> it's a strategy. Praise God. So don't get into a stopgap relationship. So if you want to know what I said as a guy, come and see me. It's meant for men only. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so when you get engaged in stopgap relationships, so what eventually happens is you miss out on God's best for your life. You eventually miss out. You eventually miss out. Number two, discover yourself. While you are waiting for a life partner, discover yourself. That's one of the ways, or these, these are some of the ways in which you maximize the waiting season. Discover yourself. Spend that time discovering yourself. Spend that time discovering yourself. Who are you as an individual? Some people want to get married, they don't know anything, but they are clueless about who they are as an individual. It's not, you see, it's not, some things are best discovered. The reason why many parents die purposeless is because it's not in marriage you should be discovering yourself. It's not in marriage, it's too late. You know why? At that point, when you get married, a child can show up anytime. The moment children show up, it changes the dynamic of the relationship. You don't even have time to sit down and say you are trying to figure out yourself. You have not figured out your child. How the child will eat. How the child will change pampas. You say you want to be discovering yourself. You can't have that time anymore. It will take extra and extreme work and being deliberate to discover yourself as a married person. If you didn't as a single. Discover yourself. Who are you? And where are you going? John 18 and verse 37. The Bible says, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. To this end was I born. And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Did you see that? Jesus knew there was a reason Jesus came. That's why at the age of 12, he was having conversations with the intellectuals of his day. Intelligent dialogue. Why? Because he already knew who he was. That's why when they said, oh, let us... He stayed back in the temple because he knew my destiny must start from here. Praise the Lord. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14. When the king was going to, you know, kill all the Jews in the land, the Bible says Mordecai sent a message to Esther that go to the king Make a case for your people. And Esther said, I know the king has not sent for me. You know what the uncle said? He said, don't you know you have been put in that place for such a time as this? That's why you are there. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. Your purpose is not to be wearing jewelry. It's not to be wearing royal apparel. That's not why you are in the palace. Your beauty and your throne is meant to prevent a race from genocide. That's why you are there. Some of us, God made us the way we are because of our purpose. You know, there are some people that to everyone, they are beautiful. Nobody will see them and say, this one is not fine. There's a purpose behind that beauty. Esther must have been beautiful. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The purpose was to dis- deliver a whole race, the Jewish nation, from genocide. Discover who you are. Some of us, you know, you, you are analytical. There is a reason behind it. Some of us are very detailed. There is a reason behind it. Some of us are very sociable. There is a reason behind it. So discover yourself. Discover yourself. One of the Greek philosophers, I think it was Socrates, was asked many years ago because he was reputed to be the wisest man of his time. 
He asked him, he said, what are the three most important things, what are the three uh, most important things in life? He said, number one, know yourself. Number two, know yourself. Number three, know yourself. He said, oh, why the same answer three times? He said, because until you know yourself, you cannot become yourself. Many people are trying to become somebody else except themselves. For a man to be well known by others and yet be unknown to himself is one of life's greatest strategy. So talking about discover yourself, discover your temperament. Discover your personality style. Discover your vision and purpose in life. Discover your love language. All those things, discover them. Number three thing you should do while waiting is seek clarity about what you want. Seek clarity about what you want. <clears throat> because clarity is what makes you selective. Clarity is what makes you what? Selective. If you are not clear about what you want, you cannot be selective. Everybody will look like it because you are not clear. Because you are not clear. The question is, what do you want? Not what does society want. You know, some people don't even have, some people have lost touch with their own definition of beauty. Because every magazine cover now tells you that to be beautiful, you have to be light in complexion, you have to be curvy, you have to be what height now? Is it six feet? Or, eh? or five, six or something and above? Who told us that? So you are telling me that every other human being God created, they are not beautiful. Every other woman, they are not beautiful. Hollywood has determined is the definition of some people's beauty. So anybody that does not mean the standard of Hollywood, to them is not beautiful. That's why people will go through the stress of doing tummy talk, plastic surgery, the nose is not long enough, pull it out. The butt is not big enough, enlarge it. Because some people have lied to you that until it is this size, they are not beautiful. And some people have missed their destiny because of that. Because the way you are is what some people are looking for. But you say, no. I'm not beautiful. So you make yourself into what only... And the person God has ordained for you is not looking for Hollywood beauty. Some men by fire by force... They want to be walking like this. <laughs> so they keep going to the gym, carrying weight, carrying weight. And the person that God has planned for you, if she sees you like that, she will think you are a security guard. <laughs> so when he sees you, he walks up and says, Hey, what is this? He'll just believe, Hey, this one, if I mess up like this, he will just slap me. If he slaps him once, I'll just die. <laughs> He'll just see, like, Hey, this guy will be abusive. This one that I'm seeing. And you may be a very nice guy. But because society has told you you must have six packs, herbs, everything must. So be clear about what you want. What do you want? What do you want? And what you want most times, for those who have not gotten in touch with themselves, what many people want is largely influenced and determined by peer pressure, media exposure, family demands, religion. You see? That's why Christianity is not a religion. It's a lifestyle. It's a life of faith. It's a Christ-like life. The first lady and I were having a discussion recently. And I just thought I should mention this. It, uh, you know, because I realize that most people don't 
Most singles, they don't even know what to look out for. So I want to help some people tonight to know what to look for. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some people don't know what to look for. And the right things just keep passing in front of them and they keep disturbing God. You know, the thing about God is God will not say, Maria, marry him. He will display suitable options around you. You are the one that must be sensitive because you are an adult. And you don't have muscle pulling. You should be able to open your mouth and talk. You see, the things you should look out for in life, especially with a life partner, it must be more intrinsic than intrinsic. What do I mean? It must be more of things that cannot be changed. More than things that can be changed. He has body odor. You can buy perfume. Some people have lost a man of character because I don't like, when he sweats, I don't like the way he smells. You can buy him perfume and deodorant. Except if he now chooses not to use it. Because there are some people that are that stubborn. Say, no, this is the way God made me. God didn't make you like that, uncle. And let me tell you this, every man, are you hearing what I'm saying? Men, say amen. amen. Every man should have a signature perfume. Don't smell like a bookie tomorrow. Smell like this one tomorrow. We don't even know what smell we should be expecting. That's why you don't see anybody that's truly successful and rich. One of the ways you know when they're around is their smell. Say, ah, this person is around. How do you know? The smell. Just be... That's one of the wrongest gifts someone can give me is perfume. I may never... It's not that I may never... I don't even use it. Because there's a perfume I use. I mean, smelling Adidas tomorrow, smelling Nike tomorrow, after tomorrow. You can even believe it all. Thank God that we appreciate it of the truth, if you don't know. But those who are close to me know that I don't just use any... Just be smelly anyhow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, some of those things can be changed. And let me tell you this. The reason why some people smell is because they don't take their bath well. When you are taking your bath, use sponge. Huh? Some say, no, no, what, what is this? <laughs> use sponge. You can't just be using soap and say you are clean. You are not clean. Use sponge. You are smelly. You are not you are using sponge. You are not rubbing soap on your body. It will not comp- compound the problem. Brush your mouth. Don't put water and say, shuku, shuku, shuku. No. <laughs> your mouth will smell. When you are fasting, reduce your conversation. Because if you are fasting, your mouth will smell. I hear what I'm saying. So as a man, as a woman, that cannot be the reason why you are rejecting someone. She doesn't know how to dress well. Dress her up. Take her to boutique. Take him out. His birthday is coming or Christmas is coming. Uh, buy a template of what you want him to be wearing. And he said, as he wears, do you like yourself? Does he look like, ah, I like it. Uh-huh. That's how I want you to be dressing. That's why I bought it for you. It's not just a gift, it's a message. <laughs> Those things can be changed. But let me tell you, character cannot be changed. So there are many people who know how to dress well, but they are smart devils. We said that guy, ah, if he enters like this, in fact, when he enters church during praise and worship, I don't need to look back, I just know. How do you know he smell? Does he have character? Does he have integrity? What are the people saying? What are the people that have known him for a long time? What are they saying about him? What are they saying? Is he able to keep a job? You know one thing I've discovered: the people that even prioritize so much their looks are the broke people. Most ladies don't know that. Most guys, see, I'm telling you the truth. 
do this thing professionally so I know what I'm saying. Because he's jobless. So the only thing he can think about is how to look good. Somebody that is thinking of how to complain, how to do this, except he's deliberate about it, he may never think about it. You are bothered about his look. He has millions in his account. The one that is looking good, his account balance is minus. In fact, he's in debt. People are looking for him everywhere. But you say, ah, I like that guy. You know, if I take him home, even my parents will fall in love with him. Correct. He's fall in love with him. You used to pay bills. So what should you look out for? Look for character. Look for integrity. This thing sounds funny, but it's the truth. Look for a strong work ethic. Strong work ethic. Not just a man, in a woman too. I feel like don't marry a lazy man or a lazy woman. See, let me tell you this. Someone, the fact that someone has a job does not mean they are not lazy. The fact that, you see, how do you know someone who is not lazy? If they lose that job, they can get another one immediately. A lazy person gets a job by miracle. But if they lose that job, they can sit down at home for three years. Play Nintendo. Do they even say play Nintendo? PS5. I don't know how full-grown adults have time to be playing video game. I really don't understand. It's still, I'm not saying this is wrong, but me, I've not been able to understand it. You can play it once in a while, you know, as a pastime, as a hobby. But every day, you are broken every stage. And there is no financial breakthrough. It's a big problem. Every time you go to his house, he's always playing video game. He's a red flag. I like him. He, he speaks Queen's English. Queen's English does not get money out of the bank. See that guy, Pastor, he's a nice guy, you know, but ah, you know, he shells getting brighter grammar or English teacher. You can English improve on some English, not all. Some. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> so if it is one, if, and let me tell you this, there are some of us that don't care about that thing, you know, maybe he's using worse for his or we, no, but some people, because society has told you how many of us know Cosmas Maduko was um, the um, CEO of Cosaris, that man still shells still now, but he's one of the wealthiest man in Africa one of the wealthiest man some people would rather marry broke that can speak Queen's English it's up to you He's speaking Queen's English in a one-bedroom apartment. What should you look for? Also look for faith. Faith. Does he have faith? When I mean faith, does he have faith in God? Or does she have faith in God? Do they know God? Do they know God? They know BB Ninja, all the housemates. But they can't quote John 3.16 correctly. You know, it's so amazing that some people, you know, on Sundays are about renewal service. It's going to be amazing. I'm going, singles will learn, but I'm going to be speaking specifically to married people. You know, it's amazing that now parents sit down with children to be watching BB Ninja. How stupid can that be? The child will now grow up, you know, say, don't do this, don't do this. Yeah, yeah you introduce the child to that life. What should you look for? Look for maturity. Look for maturity. Look for maturity. Spiritual maturity. Emotional maturity. 
Maturity. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Someone can be 30, 40, and not be mature. Maturity is not a function of age. Look for maturity. Look for maturity. This, uh, the, the sign of maturity is the ability to undo responsibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how people mature, and that's how you know someone who is mature. They undo responsibility. They don't run away from responsibilities. They don't run away from challenges. If challenges come, they embrace it and they work things out. You also look for independence. I already spoke about this independence. Financial independence. Self, you know, uh, independence, yeah. You also look for followership. Don't marry somebody who is not following anybody. Men, are you hearing what I'm saying? Women, are you hearing what I'm saying? See, one of the ways you will know that you will have peace in your life, huh? Is that the person you want to get married to, there is somebody that can call them to order. If he has everything but he's not submitted to anybody, or he does not have someone he's following, he is a disaster about to happen. There are certain things that, you know, maybe I could have done, but the thought of my mentors alone puts me in check. That if I do this, if my wife calls my pastor or calls my mentor, I will not lose those relationships for anything. So my brain will recalibrate. But you, you are tripping for a guy is a needle without a thread. He can't be traced anywhere. Nobody can correct him. Nobody can instruct him. But he's a fine boy. He drives the beast. He might end up being the beast. You know, there's a car that used to be called the beast. Look for followership. That's how you know the people that are going far. There's someone they are submitted to. Someone they are submitted to. They are not, they are not low rangers. Hmm. Number four, what should you do while waiting? Build value-adding relationships. While waiting, build value-adding relationships. Or maybe I should add non-romantic value-adding relationships. Like I said earlier, everyone that is in your life should not be dateable. <laughs> uh, it's not everybody that is in your life that you should plan to date. Guys, are you hearing what I'm saying? I can't date her. What do I want to do with her? She might be your future business partner. But because you can't date her, just well, what do I want to And ladies too. Say this guy, I can't marry him. Ah, this kind of guy. You never know where the guy is going. You may not marry him, but he may be a good ally. That's why you don't look down on anybody. Everybody does not have to be your friend, but be friendly with everybody. Number five, while you are waiting, learn as much as you can about marriage. Learn as much as you can about marriage. Learn as much as you can about marriage. By the grace of God, one of the things we're going to be doing next year is we're going to be launching full-fledged Romance Academy as a school. You know, it's going to be a course that even outsiders can come and attend. Maybe two or three weeks. Everything that needs to be learned about marriage for maybe 8 or maybe 9 to 3 daily for minimum of nothing less than 2 weeks. A lot of 
people are going into marriage and they have no idea of what marriage is about. They say, I've grown, I have a job, next thing is to marry. <laughs> really? If you don't know what marriage is, your marriage can even make you lose that job. Learn as much as you can about marriage. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a husband? Many people don't even know. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a wife? What does God expect from a woman? What does he expect from a wife? What roles do in-laws play in the success and failure of a marriage? How do you manage in-laws? What is God's purpose for your marriage? What makes marriage work and what makes it fail? You need to find out about all these things. In a waiting season, that is what you do. You learn as much as you can. You learn as much as you can. You go for courses. You read books. You get messages. And that's why I said, you know, by the time we launch that, anyone that wants to get married in this house, uh, or anybody bringing anybody from outside to marry in this house, must go through those courses. If you don't go through it, it will not be... Because there are things I don't want to be involved in. It's, I want to spend time with singles. There are things, see, it is easier for certain things to be changed when you are a single. When you are married, it's very difficult. Also, you just be going around the same circle, going around the, and see, I want to enjoy the wife of my youth. I don't want to be taking calls to him. Pastor, Pastor, he just slapped me. I don't want those kind of calls. The kind of calls I want to be picking two, three a.m. My international calls. International calls of Pastor, guess what just happened? I just sealed that deal. I just bought that franchise in Maryland. That's what I want to be hearing. Oh, Pastor, Pastor, he has slapped me again. <laughs> We can only pray for you and wish you well. That's all we can do. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm awake in the night, I don't want to be awake because of your trouble. I want to be awake because I'm speaking to an international audience because of the time difference. Somebody hear what I'm saying? So I'm telling us in advance now. So and the course will not be free. Uh-huh. Because we'll bring outside faculties. It'll teach you finance and marriage. You can't be a couple in this house and be broke. It's not acceptable. Money is needed in marriage. I hope you know. You won't show up in the bank. We are Mr. and Mrs. Akitola Samuel. Oh, nice to meet you. So give us one million. <laughs> security. Arrest these people. <laughs> I don't give you money because we are married. Number six, develop yourself. While you are waiting, develop yourself. While you are waiting, develop yourself. Develop yourself. Develop yourself spiritually. Develop yourself mentally. Develop yourself emotionally. Develop yourself economically. Cultivate life essential skills. Communication skills. Emotional intelligence. Culinary skills. Is that what they call it? Is it culinary or... Huh? Culinary. Okay, so I got it right. I understand English more. I'm trying. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Financial management skills. Number seven. While you are waiting, draw closer to God. Many people, it is during waiting season that they run away from God. <laughs> and they start going to different places. From different prayer meetings, you know, to different river baths. Uh, they say they want to wear So they go to the river, they wash their head, you know. They say, come under protection. Abiyabu. We'll go for that one. We'll just be contacting demons everywhere. You know? God is not that far. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is not that what? It's not that far. And it's not that hard to reach. It says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's one of the things that Apostle Paul was trying to say when he was recommending that people should stay single. He said, because we have time for God. You have time. You See, so when you're single, spend time with God. No God. If you can't read your Bible as a single from Genesis to Revelation, you will never read it when you are married. You can never have time. Some of you, your goal, you should set it now, that 2022, I will read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It should be your goal as a single. It should be your goal. And it doesn't take much to do that. To read the Bible once, to read it through once a year, all you need to do is to read two or three chapters in a day. Maximum of four. As a single, one of the things you also need to do to draw closer to God is spend time fasting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Spend time what? Fasting. Spend time fasting. Spend time fasting. Because as a man, when you are single, you can't say you want to be fasting for 40 days. You will need the approval of your wife. I hope you know. It's in the Bible. At time is fast spent, I would have showed us. You see, Apostle Paul said that if you are going to fast as a married person, it should be with the permission of your spouse. He says that it should be for a while. You can't elongate it unnecessarily. He said, oh, hell, Satan will tempt you. Some women will say they are fasting, they are fasting, they are fasting. So in marriage, the man will tell the man, no, today is my head, tomorrow is my shoulder, the day after tomorrow is my knee, the fourth day is my toe, my head, my head. Something is always pain in them. So the man that is not disciplined, that's not an excuse for indiscipline in marriage. So you fast 100 days. How many days are left in the year? I'm not saying it is wrong to, you see, so you must agree. It must be an agreement between, okay, we are doing this, you know, the beginning of the year or middle of the year, okay, that's fine. But in marriage, you can't just make decisions because we are now one. You also draw closer to God through worship. Through worship. Every prayer time should not be a demanding time. Sometimes just spend time with God and just worship. There are songs that you now, if I play it, it brings tears to my eyes. And some of those songs, I've been hearing them for some almost 20 years. Some songs, you know, that came across, you know, there's this particular album, um, I think is, is it Rain Down, there about, you know, Alvin Slaughter. I bought that cassette as a secondary school student. But I still listen to that song, the Holy Spirit Rain. Some of us might not know that song. When I still think about some of those, this, the thought of it alone just brings tears to my eyes. I guess just, just get lost. I will be wondering, why are you crying? Because you've never experienced that before. Is it when you are married that junior is crying? That husband wants attention or wife wants attention that you now be saying you want to worship? Spend time with God in the place of worship. It's not every time you want to pray. You say, God, you know, I want this, this contract. God has become a run boy. Minister to him. That's what it means to minister to God. You spend time in the place of worship. You are, not, you are not praying for anything. You are just loving on God. You just want to spend time with him. You are praying in the spirit. You are singing in the spirit. You are singing to him in your understanding. When you are single, spend time doing these things. You see, when you do that and you do it consistently, something will change in you. You begin to become another man. Eventually, when I say another man, as in male or female, well, eventually when you meet your life partner, you will be Christ-like. You will be Christ-like. 
Because we have spent so much time with God, God has rubbed off on you. You are like Him. So you become a value adder. Also as a single, spend time in kingdom service. I'm always amazed that singles who don't have time for God. <laughs> so when I get married, I will start serving. <laughs> really. <laughs> it's true. Let me tell you, I've realized that couples who serve in God's house are people who are already used to service when they were single. If we're not serving God as a single, you cannot serve him as a married person. Because we have enough excuses. We have enough excuses. Spend time in kingdom service. What's taking your time now? Create your schedule around God. Not that you have maxed out your schedule. You are not trying to say, where can God fit? Ah, God. Ah. See, in two weeks' time, we'll, find some, we'll, we'll work something out. God, you understand, right? You understand. Has it been worth our time? Yes, sir. Father, we thank you tonight for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts.